Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Uh, I'm excited about this. This sermon, um, it comes on the heels of Aaron's sermon last week, which I thought was one of Aaron's best sermons. I loved it, Aaron. It was really good. Um, my one, the one-liner takeaway that I had that Aaron knows what I'm going to say already because I said it to him like six times already, is so good, uh, is if you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for you. Say, say amen on that for sure because that's a big deal. I just think the vast majority of us think, no, God has a plan for Eric and I just come to a church. No, 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 my friend. You are a son or daughter. You're a, a brother and sister of, of the people next to you. And if you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for you. God has a uniquely designed plan for you. The answer, or the, the question is, are you going to answer that? Are you going to say yes to that plan? Aaron talked about change and he emphasized, hey, change can kind of suck sometimes. Change can be challenging. And change may look, in, in Joseph's case, pretty horrible. Just about every turn he made, it was a horrible change for him. And yet, the change didn't change Joseph. Joseph remained because he knew God had a plan for him. So uh, Aaron talked about change. I want to talk about the process today. And you say, what, you know, what process? Okay, I, I kind of get that. You see, it says a holy process. Um, and we're going to dig into that. Holiness is what we're going to be digging into. Uh, not exclusively, but uh, that's the primary item uh, on the table today. Holy, I, I want to start to understand the word holy. How many of you are like, um, you think of holy and you just think of this, this God that I can't even look at, that's holy. Um, or how many of you just think like, holy means pure, that's all it means. It, there's, there's these things that you have to ask yourself as a believer. You have to study. Believe it or not, you have to study as a believer or else you're not really going to move forward in the gospel. And if you don't really move forward in the gospel... You're not really doing what God's plan is for you. You are just living and breathing, but you're not taking up the mantle God has for you. So as we study, what does holy mean? What does it, what does it mean to be holy? Uh, scripture, and now I think if you'd use like the dictionary, it'd be like, oh, it just means like pure, un, you know, whatever. No, actually scripture kind of defines it in a different way and it defines it multiple times throughout scripture. And it says, holy uh, uh, Jesus being the son, being a holy one, being the part of God is this, this holy one, it says. Holy one, which would mean set apart one. Set apart. What is that, what is that phrase? How can we define that? Well, if I'm set apart, there's something unique. So I want you to think about holy as unique unique, unlike any other. There is only one God. He's set apart. He's holy and nothing else is holy but him. He's unique next to nothing. Like he, he is it. He's the unmoved mover. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's also your dad. Now, if you receive that, of course, 
some of us have a hard time receiving that. We see this, though, um, we see this idea that's given to us. Actually, I want to I go, go with this idea. I want you to focus in even more on this holiness idea. I think that if we can grasp holiness a little more, you'll realize the weight of it. When, when, we, when it says in Leviticus, be holy as I am holy. You think about the sun for a minute. Not, not, the, not, God, not God the sun, uh, the sunshine. Think of the sunshine for a minute. It's this insane, massive burning ball of energy that gives you heat and causes things to grow. And, and, and this, the solar system is uh, so perfectly set up that we don't burn up from it. And it's so perfectly set up that we also don't freeze because we're too far away. But let's check out this idea of how about Elon Musk gets us a, gets us a spaceship and now it's time to take sun tours. Sun tours, let's go, guys, come on. It's, it's 2080, sun tours, let's do it. So you book your sun tour, and you start heading towards the sun. And what's going to happen? You're going to burn up. You're never going to make it, man. You're never going to touch down on the surface of the sun. And now, that is much like God. You cannot come any closer. He says this to Moses. Don't come any closer. You're on holy ground. Get your shoes off. Like I am in this, and this is like a flicker of God. Like in my mind, I'm seeing this burning bush with Moses and it's like a flicker of God. And it's, it's so holy and so pure. He cannot get any closer. Now, does that make him bad? Does it make the sun bad that it's this burning energy ball that you can't even get close to without disintegrating? No, actually, it's so good, it's so pure that you can't get close to it or you'll disintegrate. <laughs> this is what I want you to think about when you think about holiness is a reckless amount of power and just burning energy, so pure, so clean that nothing unclean can get within it or it'll burn up. So that now is my idea that uh, I hope that we can carry out when we talk about holiness and yet Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. How is it possible for us to be holy? How is it possible for us to be unique in this way? You can only be purified by something pure. This is an idea that's given to us in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We see that in Isaiah. Um, and actually Aaron's message talked about that and um, it's so good because there's this idea with Isaiah. He's, he's, um, get, he's in a vision. He's taken up in a, I believe it's a vision. And it says, then one of the seraphim, seraphim, I want you to get this. I want you to get this in your mind a little bit. What is a seraphim? Does anybody understand what a seraphim is? Eric did a, a training of, uh, for us on angelology and a seraphim has, uh, uh, six wings, right? It has, it has one covering its face, set of wings covering its face. It flies with a set. And it has another set. She has to have eight. I can't remember how many. It's got a bunch of wings. It's got a whole bunch of wings. But its, co- its face is covered and it flies. How, you guys see these things every day, right? These are pretty normal things for you to see. No, they're not. They're supernatural things. You better get used to them if you're a son or a daughter. Because it's going to be your future. So this seraphim, it says, Isaiah says, the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and your sin atoned for. Why? Why was that necessary? Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah's a, uh, a prophet. Isaiah's, Isaiah doesn't need this really. He's a man of God, right? I mean, why does he, why? Because he needs something more pure than just these worldly confined ideas that we have of purity, of just simply following the law. And he had to have something so pure. And the moment it touches him, it makes him pure. So I actually like this idea because there's a lot of Old Testament things that you throw out. You throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the Old Testament. I do too. So I'm not just throwing you out there. I do too. Um, and it's kind of this idea. In Isaiah's day and age, if you touched something dead, you would get death on you and it would make you unclean and you couldn't enter the presence. We also talked about, we sang about the song, come into the Holy of Holies. You know what that meant. Do you, Eric talked about this here. Um, uh, you even referenced it from when you taught on, in Romans 5. Holy of Holies, when you walk into the Holy of Holies, we see, that we see this, um, this image of a, of a building set up and there's layers in the building and they walk in and there's this, it's the, it's the, uh, the temple. Walk in and there's a room set up, Holy Holies. And the Holy of Holies, men that are supposed perfect believers drop dead. They disintegrate when they get close to the sun because there's still something, there's something there. There's something this is such a pure, holy thing that it has that amount of weight and power and energy. So we need to be, we need to be, to enter the presence, we need to be pure. Now, do you need to have an encounter with a seraphim and get a, a tongue to your lips to have that happen? No, but I want you to get this idea. There is things about, uh, of, about death that are in society all over. It may not be touching the dead animal on the side of the road or eating some strange kind of meat or, or touching some unwholesome bodily fluid. And these are all things in the Old Testament, in case it's too, too much for you. That's, these are all in the Old Testament. And those are all things that, that would get this death on you. And you would need, to be, you'd need the spirit of life to make you holy again. And this is this, is this idea that we see in Isaiah. What I'm going to tell you is that never really stopped. And now what I'm after is this idea, things of death. Now, we don't have to have a burning coal because we have the sun quite literally ourselves. We have the sun that died on a cross. And in that moment, we can come under an agreement and be made pure. Just like it took one man to fail. Scripture describes like, it says, even though it took one man to fail, see Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, and that damned all of humanity. One man's failure. So does one man's success redeem all of humanity. So we have Jesus now. But I need to get your mind in this place that says that all this, you know, like, oh, I'm just a believer and Jesus is good and, and, um, and I'm just good. I say, ah, well, you are, but you really need to be careful about what you're doing in your life because you can go touch death still to this day and death can get on you. Now you say, no, 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 Ryan, I'm saving set free. Yeah, but dude, when you spend time in areas that have death, it gets on you and it, it harms your relationship with God. 
TV shows with death in them. We're in, we're in, we're literally in this season of, of Halloween, a, a season for some reason over time, we've decided to celebrate fear and, and dress up as, as spooky things and be spooky. I'm not against Halloween. That's not what I'm trying to do here, but I'm trying to emphasize to you. It is a thing that emphasizes fear and death. And that stuff can get on you. You don't want that on you. You want to stay away from that. This is the holy process. Now comes the sermon. <laughs> so this idea uh, we see, exactly, now you get it. Now, now that we've defined holiness in this unbelievable, awesome, ununderstandable thing, incomprehensible thing, that, oh my gosh, I want to get close to that. Well, you can because of Jesus but you've got to change things in your life to continue, continue on that route. So anyway, okay, so uh, in 1 Peter 13, it, it says, um, therefore, prepare your minds for action. I love that. I love that. And it's, this is the NAS, this is the, the NAS, the NASB. Um, the NIV doesn't say it like this. That's why the NASB is so much better than the NIV because it says things just way better. Not always. But anyway, right here it does. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace, sorry, on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were your, which you, sorry, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. Which is written in Leviticus. He's bringing up Leviticus here. So he's saying, get rid of lusts from your life. And this idea is interesting because we're going to get into, we're going to continue on this path and progress into purity. I want to I I be purified by the Holy of Holies. I want to be purified so that I can enter into the Holy of Holies. I want to be pure and put off these former lusts so that I can actually enter God's presence on the daily, in a moment, every single moment of every day. See, this is where the trouble comes for us believers that let the spirit of death get on us, is it separates us from God in that moment. Now, when I say, and I understand that there's this like, oh, that, is that the irredeemable? Is that uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Is that what that is? And I can't get back? No, that's not what I'm after. I'm after where your mind is in these seasons of your life. And, and where your mind is actually wages war on your, on your soul. Scripture also describes um, what you do uh, the, with the lusts of your flesh actually wage war against your soul. And that's a big deal. So, I'm trying to get you guys into a soulish mindset, more than just a fleshly mindset, but to the soulish mindset. Um, like I said, this puts us on a path of getting to holiness. What is our goal? Be holy as I am holy, it says. So, Jesus did that on a moment across, and now I'm not going to say that it, that it that it's not good enough and that you need to do it more. No, but there is an association with death that does take you away from this, from this um, purity, from walking in purity with God. I want to define purity. What is purity? Who, like, who can just be like, oh, that's exactly what purity is? Now, 
if you're a studied man in the word, maybe you can spit that out easy. If you're not a studied individual in the word, that comes hard and slow (laughs) because you keep trying to define it as the world defines it. And so when I defined it, I was like, oh, purity. So if, if, um, if, if I can get after purity, I can really start walking in holiness. And I said, there's a process there. Process starts with the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is pure, it says in Psalms 19. It says, fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. Hannah, I was talking to Hannah about this sermon last night. She says, what is the fear of the Lord? She's like, I, I know, but what is it? You know, we, we've got to understand that more. And almost always you see with the fear of the Lord, it's honoring the decrees of God. It's actually walking out what was said in the Old Testament. This is my biggest rub with the, uh, the movement at large, it seems like the grace movement, is that they just want to throw out all, they're like, Leviticus, that's outdated. Jesus did it all for us. No, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. That's why you still read Leviticus, and that's why you still implement things in your life. Now, not every fine um, like some of that stuff is, hey, don't eat, um, don't eat pigs and don't do that. And hey, whatever. If you want to apply it to your life, I'm not going to stop you. But there is things that you learned in there that are really important that you don't just throw away now that you're like, I'm only New Testament, man. That stuff's outdated. Don't be a fool, my friend. Don't be a fool. It's there for a reason. It's for you to learn and to actually walk in this uh this idea of purity. So, uh, okay, so if we're going to get to purity, we can't get there without the fear of the Lord because we'll never be humble enough to be pure. Uh, and you have to be humble to be pure. That's another, uh, another thing I'm finding as a prerequisite for being pure. So you need to fear God and then we can become pure. It's at least the entry. It's at least walking through the door of purity. But what does this purity mean? I, I, I just tried really hard to just simply define it. Okay, so if I, purity, I think of a newborn child. I think that's a, like a naive, just doesn't know anything. It's just purely innocent. Now, that's one thing. But as a, an adult, what does it mean to be pure as an adult? Y'all, I know y'all know some stuff that you shouldn't know about. You kind of think, I know, I know some stuff I shouldn't know about. And it's like, I, this isn't, uh, uh, um, what was the old, uh, Old movie when he like you erase memory. It was at the sixth day, whatever. There's a movie where you can erase memory. That's not necessarily happening. So I know some stuff. So how is it possible forever for me to be pure? I'm like, you know, as an adult, I may know right from wrong. I have been taught that in scripture. This is what I was just emphasizing with you guys reading through Leviticus, reading through the Old Testament, reading through things that's, that were going on back then because so you would know right from wrong. So right now, it's really easy to not know right from wrong because everything the world tells you basically is just wrong from scripture standpoint. So there you go. There's kind of a guideline. Just go by whatever the world says. Okay, just really question it right away. That being said, I defined it in my, in my small mind. I defined it as, you know, if I'm an adult and I'm pure, I'm going to walk in honesty and integrity. And I remembered from my studies that... Um, in the book, Plato's Republic, Socrates tells us that, hey, you know, the wisest man, the wisest man, you know, I, I think all of the world believes Socrates might have been the wisest man. I know scripture says it was Solomon, which I believe to be true, but the world would, I think, could easily say Socrates is probably one of the greatest philosophers to live. Now, that being said, I, okay, okay, so I'm going to go to one of the greatest philosophers to ever live to get a, get a definition of like, how can I implement this honesty and integrity and why is it important and all this stuff. And I, I see, he says with his fellow Greek citizens, he says, hey guys, you can't have a society without honesty and integrity. 
And, and he goes through and he, and he continues that. And I'm like, you know, okay, society is Plato's Republic. So they're trying to build a republic, a hypothetical republic in this book. And they do it. And he says, you got to have this. You got to have honesty and integrity. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, it's like God knows that it, it's required to really operate in a healthy way. Uh, this purity, which I define as honesty and integrity and applied it in this area. But then I started to continue to my thought and I said, mm, no, you know, it's just so much greater than that. And if I define it as simply honesty and integrity, I'm making it something less than it is. Purity is what I'm after in that idea. I'm making it something less than it is. Even for me to settle with a really wise philosopher who at this point in time is a godless man, is settling for something less. I don't listen to godless men when I, when I do my studies. But I was in this, in this mindset. And as you could tell, a godless man defines everything and breaks it all down to systems. And everything breaks down to a system. If, if that's true in your life, then simply you're no different than a robot, you're a binary robot, just ones and zeros. And I, I, this always, two plus two always equals four. And that's, that's it. No, you're more than that. You're more than sentient. You're, so sentient is that you have thoughts and feelings and you, you know, so you're not, you're more than a robot. You're aware, you're conscious, you're, you know, like you, you know that something is going on. You feel things which robots don't do. So all of a sudden you get a little more, but that still is limiting yourself and still limiting you in the ability to walk in holiness and purity. To think that you're, you, that you're just this idea of I am a living thing that has thoughts and feelings. No, you're actually a spiritual being that currently has a body. Just as Jesus was a spiritual being that lived here to conquer the earth. So I hope that this is this, that idea has waited on you now. It's like, oh shoot, there's a lot more to life than what I've been told. There's a lot more to life than what you simply can see. There's a lot more for you to access than what you have been accessing. So now I think that you have the uh, ideas and the possibility to start walking towards and into holiness because you've understood it's so much more than thoughts and feelings. Your feelings lie to you all the time. I, I believe that. I know that for sure. I feel bad today. Well, why is that? Oh, I don't know. I had a weird, it, like, no, that doesn't define me. I'm not going to let my feelings define me. I'm going to let my position of my heart directed towards God's heart define me and nothing else. See, I know I'm, 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 I'm getting close here on that, some ideas and some breakthrough for you. The world, this, I, I, I said to Aaron, uh, sorry, Eric, I know this is not a, this is not a very linear message. It's, it's, it's ideas and concepts that are all kind of pointing back to the center. We're just going to the outside, hitting these ideas. They're all pointing back to holiness. I think we see in society, or we don't see actually, I think we miss it often. We miss it often that everybody in society has a religion. No, Ryan, there's godless people all over. Uh, no, they're not godless. They have a God. And there's multiple, multiple gods, just like in pagan society. I want you to, I really want to get your mind out there for a minute. Go back to like early, early, early days. Um, uh, uh, don't go back to the uh, uh, prehistoric period because it's just that. It's prehistory, so it's all made up. 
Uh-oh, uh-oh, did I just get in trouble with some of you? It's prehistoric, guys. It's, it's the meanings in the phrase itself. How do we know prehistoric man was a naked man running around? We don't because he didn't write anything. It's all made up. We have a Bible, though, that tells us what history from day one is. Either you believe it or you don't. And if you don't believe that, the whole book can be thrown in the garbage and you can go on not being a believer because you have to believe every part of it for it to work. So, okay, so we go back. We see in the Bible, which is actually history for us, it is our historical account, which actually can be backed in world history. It's a little Bible is the absolute infallible word of God moment right there for you. In case you had any questions about that, it is. End of story because it can be backed all over. That being said, I don't have to back because I don't need to. We see in there pagan religions. And you and, you and I think those are, ooh, man, the pagans were weird back in the day. They were real weird back in the day. So they were doing crazy stuff. Human sacrifice all over. And pagan religions that, were, that were, had to have a God. They had to have a God. Isn't it so weird that humanity has to have a God? Every, every single society had something. They had an idol they worshipped. Um, all, almost always these fake gods, there's some form of human sacrifice because you have to sacrifice something pure to a God because that's what we're talking about and that's what scripture has been training you on. But you see it in all a society has been telling you what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years. That you are in desperate need of a God. That you know you're so aware of your brokenness. I am so unbelievably aware of how flawed I am. And how desperate I am for a savior. And if I reject God, I'll fill that void with something else. No, Ryan, that's for old history. Those are the, the pagans. Nobody's a pagan anymore. Nobody's doing human sacrifice anymore, Ryan. I, I, I don't know about that, my friend. I actually would go this way. I think whether you choose to walk in this and towards this idea of holiness, be holy as I am holy, you can't get there without fearing God. And if you fear God, he's the Lord of your life and he has everything. There's no more room to share. God's a jealous God something I love about him. He's a jealous God. He doesn't share. So he's not going to share in my, in my room of my, of my, uh, uh, my pickup truck. That's a big, beautiful truck. And I've been, I got a membership to the cleaning club and I've got a membership to the car wash down the road. And so basically I spend like between the truck payments and that on those memberships, I spend like $800, $900 a month. And I just love that thing. I don't have a truck. This is a hypothetical. I have a truck. It just kind of, it's kind of a poopy little truck. Um, hypothetically, that is something you love and you worship. No, 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 Ryan, no, no, I do not. Okay, so you're spending $900. God bless me with that truck and the payments. I love when Roy, Roy Fields would say that all the time. This is something you love. You love this thing. That is an idol in your life that you worship. And you spend a lot of money to worship that thing too. I'd say to that man, I'd say, okay, so if that's what you're doing for your truck, what are you doing for the kingdom? How much money are you sending to missions? How much, what are you doing for the kingdom? Whoa, 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 I, you know, I've been tithing. I, I didn't care about so much your tithe. I'm like after, what are you doing for the kingdom? You've got so much love in this thing. And that thing is just going to go get flattened someday. You're going to get, somebody's going to T-bone that truck. You're going to be safe, Lord willing. But that truck's going to go to the junkyard and get flattened. 
And it doesn't mean anything. And yet you pretend it does. Because you, just as the pagans, have made a religion out of this. Politics, we see it every, every party. Every party makes a religion out of their politics. And it's wrong as a believer. It is wrong to do that. Now, I'm not saying don't stand up for your politics, whatever, but don't make them the alpha and the omega of your life. We just went through one of the most vicious political cycles. I would debate on both, both sides completely that we saw that stuff, man. I, it took faith to believe in some of the stuff that's being said on both sides of the aisle. And your faith might've been greater to believe these lies of your political party than the faith that you have to believe in your father, God. It's a, it's pagan religion is being repeated and you just don't see it because it's not an, it's not this big weird thing that they're bowing down and, and, and slaughtering babies for, because that's what happened constantly with pagan religions. Whether it was, well, that was only, that was only in the, no man, it was all over the world. The Americas, North and South America, uh, there, is, there is human sacrifice all over. We can see it. Africa, uh, 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 Asia, every, every continent had this going on. So I'm after all this to say that, man, focus in on this idea that I want to exclusively worship God because he is holy. He's so pure. Nothing is like him. He's unique and set apart. Though this world continually tries to pull me away and get something else in that place, and your flesh will do this too, there's nothing like him. There is, there is not one like him. So this idea that here that we've developed so far is, I believe it takes the fear of the Lord to develop any amount of purity. And I don't believe you can even walk towards purity or sorry, walk towards holiness without purity. In case you're wondering, this is actually called sanctification. This is, a, this is something that's been going on, but I want you to think about it in a different way. We, we, this is a teaching, basically, on sanctification, but I want you to focus in on the holiness aspect and focus in on what you can do as a believer to walk in this holiness. Because scripture says, be holy as I am holy. All, okay, I want to uh, uh, have this idea too where it's like, hey, who actually believes you can, I've already showed you like this kind of gradual step process into holiness. Now, how many of you believe that that's actually possible for you? Now, I'm not saying raise your hand, be like, amen. No, 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 no. In all honesty, how many of you say that's actually possible for me? There's a difference between you're living in habitual sin and like, you know it, it's a vice, it's a, it's, you got an addiction to pornography, which is plaguing the church for sure in, in privacy and it's destroying men and everything about them. And it completely separates them from God. And it's, 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 it's tragic and I hate it with a passion. Um, whether it's that or uh, some kind of addiction, uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever, you got these things, you, those are way obvious, right? To you, you're like, oh yeah, that's for sure in the way of my purity. That is you touching death, and then that is a problem for your purity. Luckily, you have Jesus that washes your wool as we're sheep, white as snow, with his blood, which is kind of wild, an idea. But it's something that makes you pure. But, you, you, but there's a struggle, obviously, you understand. Okay, now you say, no, Ryan, I don't struggle with any of those things. I'm good. Okay, so what about this? 
riddle me this. So you say you're good. You don't really struggle with those things. What does your lifestyle look like then? What does a lifestyle of holiness look like or of purity look like or of fearing God? We, we walked backwards on the ladder there. What does that look like? Because I have, um, I have, I have, uh, um, I have people in my life. I'm like, this guy, he is um, one of the best guys ever. So kind, so loving, would do anything for you. The dude doesn't really swear. The dude doesn't really drink. Um, He really doesn't do anything wrong. Loves his wife really well and just lives a morally upstanding life. I'm like, that dude, he's got it. And as a believer, I am just way behind this guy. Like I'm struggling with some of these things, you know? But if he is, but if the position of his heart is not towards Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how morally upstanding you are. If the position of your heart doesn't line up with, man, I just want to love God with all I am, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So whether or not you're struggling, struggling with some kind of a, this is a vice in my life, it's a very obvious sin, or simply you just are a, Christian that's been sleeping on the job. Like you just haven't pursued God. The position of my heart, this is why in the the beginning of this sermon, I said, what is going on every moment of every day for you? What are you doing with your free time? I got like an hour uh, free time before I go to bed. What am I doing with that? Well, I got my favorite show I watch. My favorite video game I play or whatever, I got, uh, we play, uh, I got a, you know, I do card club every week or I do uh, whatever. There's so many things that you can do and fill your time with. But I'm so after this idea of, listen, your free time matters. Now, now the gospel just got radical. Because what I'm saying is, hey, your free time is not just your own time. If you actually said God's the Lord of my life, he owns it all. So do you really have free time? It's a question you should be asking yourself. Now I just think that this idea for me is so hard. Now I think you understand why I said, hey, is it actually possible for you to be holy as God is holy? Because that means a radical surrendering of all that you are. A radical surrendering of your time. I've got a show I love. I've got a, a, a game. I've got a thing I love to do. Well, that is all fine. And I'm not saying throw it all in the garbage can and just sit and worship all the time. But I'm saying that that thing better never change the position of your heart towards God. Because if it does, it is an enemy of God and it wages war against him. And you don't wage war against God. He's a jealous God. So in your life, what is it? What needs to change? What steps can you take to start this aspect of Fear the Lord. The Lord is the owner of my life and I will follow his, his precepts. I will follow the things that he tells me to do. And I'll put off the ideas of this world and I'll radically follow God. Well, my friend, you, you are walking in purity. This gives you the opportunity to actually be holy as he is holy. So, okay, winding down, I'm basically out of time, which I'm, I'm happy that I'm, I'm in a pretty good zone here of time. I didn't blow over like last time when I preached for like 45 minutes. That was pretty wild. It was, it was fun though. So I hope that a couple things have happened today. I hope that you've gotten a mindset that says, wow, Christianity is radical. And the invitation is wide open. And I tell you the rewards are much greater than your favorite TV show. 
They're much more entertaining than the funnest and the most beautiful uh, truck that you love or the funnest thing, whatever you do, whatever your thing is, God is much, much better. He's unique. He's set apart. And holiness has rewards that you can't even conceive. The wholeness of your soul is a big deal. And that's what the world wages war on. And I, I liked what with me and Eric were talking, and this is what I was after with this bringing up Socrates, is that it's so easy for us to try to use our minds. I'm so smart. I can think it out and I'll just know it. It doesn't matter how smart you are if it doesn't make the trip to your heart. And then from that point, you got to live from there. You got to live from this, this, this spirit, man. My spirit loves God. And now, I, this is a whole other sermon. I'm not getting into that, but I hope that you're challenged with that idea. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're a three-part being just like God because you're made in his image, as I said earlier. So you are much like God's design. Applying that is difficult. And in, in making sure that you're applying it right is even more difficult. So um, the world, like I said, the world has nothing to offer us God has everything to offer us. Though the world may seem like it has a lot to offer us, it's all counterfeit. It's all fake. It's a false God. There you go. Boom. Okay. So, Peter, as, as I'm closing here, uh, 1 Peter 1.17. I, I, I just love how this says it. I love how this says it. This is the idea. Uh, okay, Ryan, I'm willing to try this holiness thing. Um, you know, you made, it kind of, you made it sound kind of radical, but I want to give it a try. Okay, step one put off things of this world. That does mean radical change. It does mean radical change. That doesn't mean that you just go home and don't change anything. It means radical change or you're not going to do it. Nothing's going to change. So radical change. And this is, I love how Peter says it here. Since you call on a father who judges each person's works impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from, sorry, that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Let's hold on. Empty ways of life from your ancestors. Hold on though. What if, what if you got handed like a massive empire or like a big business? Let's go like, we're a 21st century man here. Um, you got handed a huge, you got handed Amazon. Your dad was Jeff Bezos and you got handed Amazon. And God just said to you, it's all worthless. It means nothing compared to, compared to fearing God, compared to walking in. So I'm trying to give you the, I'm trying to give you the, just the highest, most crazy thing possible there. But with the, it says, okay, so it, as these empty ways handed down for me from your ancestors, he didn't redeem us with that. With all the wealth of Amazon, he didn't redeem us with that. He redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without spot, or, without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was chosen, hold on, put that in your mind, before the creation of the world. You ought you to say, hmm, what? He was chosen before the creation of the world. 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God, not in all the wealth of Amazon or all the wealth of of any powerful company that you can imagine. It all means nothing at the end of your life. Does, Does Jeff Bezos get to take his, uh, does Elon Musk get to take his wealth with him when he dies? This is, hold on, hold on. You guys can be, oh, amen, amen, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big deal, and that's a hard thing to apply to you, yourself because we obsess over the dumbest things. And when I say they're dumb, they can actually be very, very useful things to humanity. And yet, it just doesn't matter at the end of your life. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Okay, so, First uh, Peter says, "Now that you, First uh, Peter, we're going to continue on in that twenty-two. Now that you have, now that you have purified yourselves by how do you? How can it, no, Ryan? The only way I can purify myself is just simply having faith in Jesus. Faith requires action, my friend. You have to do something. You have to change something in your life." By obeying the truth, scripture says, by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. So all of a sudden, this, this, this whole idea says, oh, dang, everything continues fearing the Lord. Well, that requires action. That requires you to know scripture. How are you going to follow anything that you don't know? Okay, so now I was already after that earlier when I said, what are you doing with your free time? Well, Ryan, I got my favorite show I like, and I, I'm, I'm connected with the Lord while I watch that show. While I fish, I'm connected with the Lord. All right? I actually had to stop. I love country music. I'm a country boy. Johnny's over here. Come on, Johnny. Country boy. I love country music. I actually had to cut some pack in my life because a lot of my country music was just simply glorifying, like, drinking and driving and having fun and, and being wild on the weekends and doing silly stuff, but loving Jesus. And I just found that that doesn't work for me. And it doesn't work for the believer. It doesn't actually work in this idea of be holy as I am holy. It takes a radical change. So my radical change was bleep, shut, down the, shut down the radio. Um, uh, writing this sermon, I made sure I shut down any of my uh, um, news feeds from, from, I didn't want any, anything too political getting filtered up through here and having an agenda. I didn't want any of that stuff because I want to be pure. I want to be speaking words from scripture. But you have to know scripture. So for me, it's like, hey, where's the balance of how much time I've spent watching TV and how much time have I spent in scripture? Because TV does you no good at all. I, you know, and I'm so hard on TV, I know. Apply whatever it is for you. Maybe it's, uh, my mom doesn't really watch much TV. She reads books and she'll read book after book after book after book. And all of a sudden she said, yeah, I can't read this much because my mind's not on God at all. It's on all these novels I've been reading and they're good books and reading's good, but it's not scripture and I'm not getting truth that I need to know so that I have the hope to fear God because I can't fear God without knowing scripture. You can't walk it out. You can't do it. You come here every week and Pastor Eric can hit you as hard as he is. Ah, you know, these are the words. These are, you got it all. And, and Aaron and I, can, we can do this all day to teach you things. Or I guess maybe scripture describes it as, as, as feeding, feeding gently, feeding you. <laughs> gently feeding you once a week, as you've heard so many times, doesn't work. In closing, the whole concept of this sermon today 
is to hopefully create an understanding deeper of holiness, create a bit of a longing because you've been, you've been asked to do it. We see Peter bringing it up. We see Leviticus bringing it up, saying, be holy as I am holy. And then you have me saying, I have believed for years that I just don't even think that's possible because I know that I, I got a lot of things that distract me. I know I've got a lot of issues and I'm just really broken. That's a great place to start. You're never going to go anywhere if you have pride. That's what scripture said about the fear of the Lord. Get rid of pride. Uh, humility is, is the beginning. Uh, how does it say, how does that one? I cannot think of that scripture right now. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of humility. There you go. Boom. That has to happen. Now that you fear the Lord, you start to follow his decrees and then you can start walking in purity. And now it's time to be holy as he is holy. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. All right. So uh, go ahead and stand your feet. Uh, if you can stand, stand. Um, I want to get a, just a couple. Uh, I want my uh, connect group leaders up here. Just connect group leaders. I hope that somewhere in this, something has got you itched. And if you say, Ryan, that message actually left me kind of hopeless. <laughs> I hope it didn't. But if it did, because it's like, hey, this is how extreme the gospel actually is. Know that I call it, what did I call it? A holy process. That means you're on a journey. You're walking out this process. And whether it's, I'm trying to fear God, I'm trying to follow some of these things. Know that grace is there. I don't want to abuse grace and I don't want you to abuse grace, but that's the whole point of grace is to get you on track, get you focused. Today, I want this idea that you, to get you out of the worldly mindset into a supernatural mindset. Supernatural mindset says you can forgive anybody of anything because if you can't, God won't forgive you. Oh man, that's not what I wanted to hear, right? But in a supernatural way, you can get healing. You can move forward. You can have hope for tomorrow. And being holy and walking in holiness as he is holy is the best place you'll ever be. Your soul will be so whole. I, I, I completely believe this. I believe if you're struggling with, uh, with anxiety, uh, you gotta be up here this morning. If you're struggling with... Um, restlessness. You got to be up here this morning. Those, um, and I know there's some chemical things obviously there, and I'm not throwing that out, but I know that uh, God's so much more powerful than the Scientologist. In fact, God knows much more than the Scientologist. God knows more than all of the entire science community forever and more. And in fact, the Bible's been saying that for years. That being said, if you're struggling with these things, these are conditions, I believe, of the soul. Your soul is in turmoil and you've let things of this world eat away at your soul and, and just tarnish it. But today, let God's blood wash it white as snow. Jesus, Father, we thank you. So if you're, if you're struggling with any of those things, I want you to come forward right now and start getting prayer. If you're struggling with, um, hey, this is a big idea, I just don't think it's possible, and you need strength, you need hope, I want you to come forward for prayer right now. Hey, Ryan, I I'm interested in that. I'm interested in this idea, but wow, that's a little much for me. Listen, you gotta take a step. If you can't literally take a physical step right now, how are you ever gonna do it? And I've been proclaiming for 30 minutes that it's the best thing you'll ever do. 
It's the most peace you'll ever have. God's a good God. I don't want to burn up as I enter the presence. I don't want to die as I get into the Holy of Holies. And I don't have to because I have Jesus. You don't have to because you have Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this time that you've blessed us with, God. I ask that these ideas wouldn't just, people wouldn't just say, ah, that was a, that was a good sermon, whatever I'm on, or, or ah, that was a weird sermon. I don't care, whatever. I just hope that you have a, a I dropped some seeds into the crevices of your heart, that, 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 that those things would grow, and that they would cause you to ask questions. Best thing I could have done today is made you say, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. I need to read something on that. I want to, I, you know, he had some ideas that were a little whack, man. I want to go look up that seraphim thing. He seemed a little unsure about it. Let's go check that out. <laughs> go check it out. Thank God if that's what happened today. Jesus, we trust you. If we believed anything that we said in these worship songs today, God, you are the Lord of our life. We want to go into the Holy of Holies. Wash us white as snow. As you are the redeemer, it took a pure thing to purify you. Jesus is that pure thing. The blood of the lamb is the phrase there. It's the perfect, pure, precious lamb of God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.